Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. I am Mitchell Kaminsky. The Bulls are back, baby! DeMar DeRozan goes off. Bulls even the series. I think they can beat the bar. I am so happy. I think I'm going to be, you know, this is an overreaction. Obviously excited after the first game, but you're watching that series. Bulls should have won game one. DeMar and Levine kind of played like ass. And DeMar even came out and said, like, look, I'm not going to shoot that way again. Like, I'm not shooting six for 25 or whatever it was. I'm not going to shoot that poorly again. And he backed it up. He came out there and he backed it up, put his money where his mouth was. Um... And the, the, the Bulls' big three played well. They stole the game. And you never look, You never want to wish anyone injury. Uh, Chris Middleton went down. That sucks. That's a big blow to the series. It's a huge blow to the Bucks. playoff chances. But now you're for the Bulls. You stole one in Milwaukee. Which all you really need to do is the, is the road team. You just win one on the road there. And you hold court. You're coming back to Chicago, that's going to be a raucous United Center. They are starving for Bulls playoff basketball. They finally have a good team. Bucks' second best players out now. No excuse for the Bulls. They, this window is wide open to win this first round series and steal a series from Milwaukee. So I'm excited. We're going to talk a little bit more NBA playoffs in a second. And DeMar DeRozan in a second. I want to start with this, though. This is what we're going to open the show with. Do you see the Mike Tyson news? Mike Tyson might be going to jail. And you know why? It's because of some drunk asshole on the plank. This is ridiculous. You watch that video. So here's the story Mike Tyson's on a plane. And there's a guy behind him, clearly inebriated. If you watch the TMZ video, you, you, you look it up. He's clearly inebriated. Like, and so he, he kept bothering him. Like, apparently he wanted a picture. Mike Tyson took a picture with him. He kept bothering him the whole time. Mike turned around and was like, hey, like, chill out, man. Like, he wouldn't stop bothering him. He was kind of, like, leaning over him, like, talking shit to him. And so Mike Tyson finally had enough. Turned around and beat him to a pulp. And the guy's pressing charges, and because... The drunk guy never laid a finger on Mike Tyson. Technically, it's gonna be it's gonna be assault. He's probably going to jail, which is unfortunate. Um, but that guy had it coming to him. He deserved that ass kicking. Like I, I hope I hope he doesn't go to jail for that because the guy deserved it. Let's be honest here. That's like if you're going out in the desert and you get bit by a rattlesnake because you were poking it with a stick. Like what do you think is gonna happen? It's Mike Tyson. You know, a guy pulled a gun on him. And they were hugging it out afterwards. So, like, you must have, at this point, Mike Tyson's kind of mellowed out a little bit. Like, you, you, you had to really upset him. If you, you like, he, he gave him a warning, too. He gave him a warning stop. He was literally asking. He was leaning over him, reeking a booth. This is why I think, honestly, I, this is the, one of the few benefits of COVID was they couldn't serve alcohol on planes. Because you get idiots like this that can't handle it, and then you're in that tight, confined space. It just makes it miserable for everyone else. You know, where Mike Tyson should have been on, he should have been on that flight of the uh, people that were breaking out in song. And the one flight, oh my god, on Easter where the guys playing the acoustic guitar. Play, like, good god. That's the, those are the people <laughs> should have been on that flight, too. Just have Mike Tyson straighten everyone out. Ugh. I mean, you know, religious thing aside. You know, it's Easter, I get your hat, but that, that's not cool. You get to break out a guitar. Like, they, they should have gotten beat up by Mike Tyson, too. But... Well, the point is, like, this is why I think you ban alcohol from planes to begin with. Like, my mom's a flight attendant, and she's told me many stories of drunk assholes making flights miserable. One of them was actually Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman was one of the people out there <laughs> making a mockery of things. Um, apparently, he was a problem. But when he was in a drunken stupor, he was trying to sell, sell her his uh, children's book. <laughs> and she, 
<laughs> he gave her a copy and we were reading it was like dennis like the it's like oh what was the name of it was like dennis the menace like the bull or something it was about it was about a, a, a bull that was like rowdy or something it was like a children's but it was pretty funny um but yeah but that's why like you know i'll go out and play like what do you need what do you need to be drinking before playing right full like come on take an audible beforehand if you really want to enjoy the fun then you fall asleep easier makes it so much better why do you need to be drunk on a plane it's all new levels of degeneracy. And you know what happens? You get drunk on a plane, you piss off the wrong person in front of you, you get beaten to a pole. Because now that's, that sucks. That's Mike Tyson turned his life around and he's probably going to go to jail. I hope not, though. It's like the Charles Barkley thing. Charles Barkley used to say, like, hey, man, the guy was bothering me talking shit and I punched him. Like, go to the jury. He'd never settle. Like, go to the jury and be like, the guy, just, the guy deserved it. That's what Mike Tyson used to do. He used to get Charles Barkley lawyer on it. But, uh, yeah. You know, kind of going along with that, too, as far as reacting to people that deserve it. I'm kind of with Kyrie, too. I have no problem with him flipping off fans. I didn't see a problem with it. Also, you know what? It's very stupid that these TVs blur out the middle finger. Like, we all know what it is. What are they trying to, like, hide it? Like, we shelter it from. We, we, everyone knows. Everyone knows what it is. It makes it almost worse when it's blurred out. You know, you get the wrong... I, mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that's stupid to begin with. But I don't think he should have been... I don't think he should have gotten fined for that. Yeah, those people, yeah, they were asking for it. You know, you say you, you, you're heckling a player, and you, you, you should be able to flip them off. So what? Normal reaction. Now, that being said... Now, listen. That being said, I don't even like Kyrie that much. Actually, I don't like him. I, I think Boston fans have a legit beat. Like, Kyrie's wondering, like, why all these people hate him. And that, listen, that does not give you a right to be, like, you know, calling them, like, awful names or whatever. There's good nature ribbing, like, booing is one thing. But, you know, people in Boston, one, I think a lot of times it gets a little racial, which you can't, can't do that. Or, you know, you're talking about their family or whatever. Like, then, yeah, that's crossing a lot. And you, you best believe it was more than just, like, Kyrie. You saw, I, I'm sure to trigger him that much, it had to have been, you know, it was, they, they were crossing a lot. Um, but that being said, uh, Kyrie wonders, like, oh, like, why do all these people from Boston hate me? I mean, like, come on. He did, he did kind of bring, like, he is provoking a lot of this. Like I said, not an excuse to, to cross the line, which I think a lot of them did, which is why I defend Kyrie flipping off the people. But, like, he acts baffled. Like, why are these, all these fans booing me? I don't understand why they're so unhappy. I mean, like, come on. You said you were going to be their Celtic for life. You bailed. You were a terrible teammate that first year they were in the conference finals. Like, not even sitting on the bench in their playoff games. Like, you could tell he was jealous that Titan was carrying the team without him. They were doing well. Um, then he gets back there and he's stomping on the core. He's, I mean, come on. Like, what did you, you expect? Um, that's been a wild series there, too. Uh, let's get, let's talk a little playoffs here. Um, the Bulls and DeMar Rosen. DeMar's had for the longest time. And I was thinking about this. For the longest time, he's been labeled as a playoff choker because of his shortcomings. Fall, year after year with the Raptors. Um, I think that's an unfair label. I think DeMar has gotten a bad rap throughout his NBA career because all he's really been, if you look at him, let's go to Toronto. Arguably the greatest player in Toronto Raptors history. It's him and Kyle Lowry. And then you probably get Vince Carter will be up there. But like, one would argue him and Kyle Lowry, those are the two best players the Raptors have ever had. So... And then the playoffs, they were consistently the number one seed with those two as their core. And they kept running into a buzzsaw named LeBron James. Like, I mean, we really going to fault him for that? Like, prime LeBron, arguably the greatest player in the world, and that's who they run into every time? It's a tough ask. 
That's like Charles Barkley losing to Jordan in the final. Like, are we really going to hold that, like, against him? Because it couldn't get past Jordan. Like, Jordan like, prevented a lot of guys from winning titles. And it's just, you know, you can't hold it against him. Like, Charles Barkley, Hall of Famer, could never get a rank. Kept running into Michael Jordan in the playoffs, the 76ers, and then with the Suns in the finals. I, I don't hold that against him. That's why I don't like, hold the ring thing against him. So it's the same thing with DeMar. They run into some buzzsaws with those Cavs teams. And did he shoot poorly in a lot of them? Yeah. All right, like, they're just poor play. But he's, he's playing He's playing a good Cavaliers team. Um, would be number one. And then, like, the first game against Milwaukee, it was bad. But, like, that was the first time a lot of those Bulls players had been in the postseason game. And, by the way, I think you're playing the current best player in the world in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, you know. So, that's that's another tough, tough challenge. And he, but he sounds critics last game. Came out, did his thing. So I think it's kind of like the Paul George thing, too. I, the, the labeling people as, like, the playoff chokers, I think sometimes it's, like, sometimes it's warranted um, until you change the narrative. But, like, oftentimes, I, I think he kind of got an unfair rap as, like, not a playoff. Like, he, he's not Clark. Because you look at him in a lot of these late-game situations, even during the regular season, he's one of the more composed guys late in games. Like, he is very, he's a very clutch player. He's got that killer mentality. Situationally, DeMar Rosen is an excellent basketball player. That's what you saw in game two. Uh, like Game one was a bad shooting night, and I guess it fit, fit the narrative. But like I, I think it was an unfair label. I, I'm glad he's starting to shake it. Like That 44 performance was a masterpiece, and they needed every one of those two to hold him off. So that was big. Caruso also, unsung hero of the first two games, really. I mean, he made some clutch layups late in game one. But game two, you did all the little things right. Like, the two offensive rebounds he had, huge. Took that charge near the end of the game, 10 assists, knocked down a couple big threes. Like, that's another guy. He, he's going to be an NBA coach one day. If you look at some of the timeouts, and he was doing most of the talking in those huddles. I was like, where the hell is Billy Donovan at? And it's Caruso in the middle, like, barking at guys, telling them where to go. So, that I appreciated really well. But I'm, I'm telling I think, you know, I, I said Bucks and five was my initial prediction. And I think that's what a lot of people are going at. But you look at the way this Bulls team's handling themselves, and I think you know, they really st- turned on a gear almost. I mean, part of it might have just been like regular season fatigue, and that's why you can't put up too much stock in the regular season because guys are tired near the end of the year. There's a lot of fatigue. But there was a lot of games the Bulls were just mailing in. It didn't look like they were in sync. They're coming out fighting. They came out fighting, and then the loss of Middleton, that's going to that's gonna change the series. Because people forget Middleton dropped 40 points in that closeout game last year, or game four last year in the finals. Like, he's a, they, they need him. It's a big loss. And Bobby Porter's getting elbowed also didn't help. But, you know, I, I think that was an accident, despite Thompson's reputation. But, um, you yeah. know, it happens. But good for good for the good for the Bulls, good for the Marks. Game three is going to be electric. That's going to be a very fun game to watch. Uh, let's talk a little bit of the Nets and Celtics here. Um, I think that's a series we watch. And it shows coaching matters. Like the Celtics, especially in game two, look like they came in with a very solid game plan of how to guard KD. Where the Nets feel very street ball-y. Like, let's be honest. Do they respect Steve Nash as a coach? I don't think so. Like, I don't think. It doesn't look like Steve Nash makes any adjustments. It's almost just kind of like, yeah, we got talent. We're going to go out there and, like, free ball it. Like, it's like street ball, basically. They never make any play. I, I never see them running any plays. It's usually the Kyrie and KD show, and that's why I think you've seen the past three seasons they have all these stars, it never works. I don't think they're well-coached. I don't think they would listen to him even if he was trying to draw plays. I think they view it as like, hey, we're running the we're running the show. I'm pretty sure they had a podcast, too, a couple years ago where they said something similar. But, like, you know, I, I, I don't think they respect him. 
I don't think they really listen to him. I think they think they can run it all themselves, and this is what you see. Because the Celtics came in with a well-thought-out game plan. Like, they made it miserable on KD. Every time he tried to drive, body in the lane, double teams, contested every one of his shots, they made life difficult for him. There's a lot of good adjustments. They forced a lot of those turnovers, and that was Kobe. And some of the sets they ran, too. And the Nets, just situationally, they haven't looked good. You know, we're talking about situational basketball with the Bulls. Like, situationally, with the, the, the Nets, has been a mess. Like, that game one, that last possession, like, KD got taught with his tail between his legs, just watching the play. Uh, there's kind of an Olay thing by Kyrie. They just, like, they let Tatum streak through without no one marking him. That, that's good. That's partly coached. Like, they, they did not look right. And also, the play right before that was Kevin Durant chucking up an ill-advised, like, 30 three-pointer. Contested three fadeaway three-pointer. Like, that that didn't look like a smart play. That's not, I saw, I'm, coaching's the difference in that series. Steve Nash is getting out-coached by these Celtics. Because, like, talent-wise, it's pretty similar. I think you're going to make the argument, like, best player on the floor, I, for a fact, best player on the floor, Kevin Durant. Second best player on the floor, probably Kyrie Irving. I mean, it's probably over, like, the, the two best players. In a basketball team, with you only got five guys on the floor, that's, that's, that's a big deal. And they've looked at it. They've gotten outcoached both first two games. Now, I don't think, a lot of people are saying that series is over. And I initially said Nets in seven. And I'm sticking with it, too, because the series really doesn't start until you lose a game on the road. Or at home, excuse me. So, it goes back to Brooklyn. We'll see. Uh, the Nets kind of let that first one, this game two, slip away from them, too. But this Celtics team, I mean, they, they look good right now. Um, the series has lived up to the hype, but I think a lot of it's just been Nets have been outcoached. Um, 76ers, Raptors, series kind of over there. <laughs> Joel Embiid. Uh, that's another one with coaching. Uh, if you watch that game three, Embiid hits the shot, the three pointer, with like 0.8 seconds left, right, in overtime. On the Raptors, like, coach, like, what the hell did they think he was going to do? Like, why wasn't there more people contesting? The last three possessions were Joel Embiid contested jumpers. With .8 seconds, where do you think the ball's going, and what do you think he's going to do with it? Why, why were they playing? Like, they had guys, they looked like they had guys stationed to try and collect the rebound with .8 seconds. They, that shot needed to be a way more contested than it was. They needed to have got what guy, hand, I mean, that, I don't know. That, like, what the hell did they think was going to happen? <laughs> when he caught the ball. <laughs> well, the reason he wasn't double team or they couldn't get a better contest there is beyond me. Uh, and I think that's another thing going to down to coaching. But uh, I think that series is just about over. You're down 3-0. And I think he, teams, the team that's down 3-0, they usually kind of fold. Like 3-1, you still got a little bit of fight left in you. If you but that was basically the series. Though. The Raptors, that, was, that felt like a game seven. They needed to win. They would slip away late. So I think that series is uh, over. Um which, honestly, and this could be beneficial for the 76ers. Like, I mean, if you can pull off a sweep here and you get that time to sit and rest. I mean, look at these other series. The, the Celtics-Nets has been a war. Those have been hard-fought games. And I still content, I still think it's going to sell. Like, I don't think that's going to be an easy... Like, I, I think the Nets are going to pull it together. We're going to win at least one of the next two. So it's going at least six, I think, that one. I still I still got Nets in seven. Uh, I, I got to stand by my pick. Put a little bit of conviction there. But that's going to be a long series. Bucks Bulls, well, I think the window is open for the Bulls. You still have the defending champs, and you're playing the best player in the world. So that's not going to be a five-game series either. Like the, the Bucks are going to win another, at least another game. So that's going to go. That, that's going at least six. So that's going to be a tightly contested series. Um, the Bucks might even still win. I mean, I, I still everyone 
you know, on paper, they're still probably the better team. I wonder what the line is for game three. That'll be very telling. Um, but that, that's going to be a long series, too. So the 76 are going to be the only team really in there that's going to be well-rested heading into the next round, which I think could be beneficial for them, um, especially with Harden's injury issues. And as much as Embiid's had to do, that, that they could help them next round, especially when you're playing like a battered whoever comes out of Boston uh, and that 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 series they're facing the Bulls. That I, I means so that, that could be sweep could be beneficial for them. Like health is always good. Like the Lakers won a championship in the bubble because of health because they got all that red time off. So I mean, especially with an old team like that, your old James Harden, don't underestimate rest. So we'll see. I think also another thing I've noticed too, and I do like this, but this is also kind of gone are the days where one superstar is carrying a team to the title. Which also, I think you got to put a notch in LeBron's cap for the fact he was able to do that with Cleveland. Because that team really had no business going to the finals. Like, let's be honest here. The guy surrounding him. Like, Jordan Clarkson was one of the role players there. He's not getting... Or Rodney Hood, another one of the role players on that team. Rodney Hood's like... He's a role player with the 76 Like, he's not getting any playing time. That's, that's what one of his stars was. Or co-stars was. Jordan Clarkson, good player, but he's coming off the bench for Utah. That was one of their main players. Tristan Thompson, coming off the bench for Chicago. Like, there's a lot of bench guys, and LeBron dragged that team to a finals. You don't think, that's a huge, like, if you want to put, like, that was, I think, to me, more impressive than any of the titles he's won. Like, his last year in Cleveland, the fact he was able to get that team to the finals, I think was his greatest achievement as a player. And that's why I would put him in the go that's why that's why he's in the, Greatest all-time conversation. Because he was able to carry that team to the finals. You don't see that anymore. Like, Kevin Durant can't even get out of the second round right now. The last couple of years. And he's got stars around him. Right, his co-stars the past two years have been better than anything LeBron's had. And he might get knocked down in the first round here. Giannis, we're going to see. Because now he's missing a co-star. We're going to see if he can carry a team by himself. Which I think he's still going to make it competitive. But they get knocked out. I mean, it's, you know... That's going to be very telling, especially for how big of favorites they were entering that series. Uh, you, you cannot do it a lot. Like, it, uh, gone are the days where the stars are carrying a team to the finals. Because like, the teams are just a lot. I mean, maybe just because the teams are deeper now, but uh, that that should be. Remember that when you're looking at LeBron's resume. Just saying. How many times do you see one single star carry a team to the finals? Uh, been interesting. So, as we go through these series here, before we get to a little NFL stuff, let's see what the, uh, I'm going to pull up the line here for Game 3 for the Bulls. This will be very telling, too. Alright, here we go. Oh, we got Grizzlies-Timberwolves tonight. That'll be good. The Grizzlies-Timberwolves completely fun. I have not watched a minute of that series, if I'm being completely honest. I've watched a lot of playoff basketball. I think last Sunday, I... I I went to the Dodgers game, and after that, it was just watching. I watched three games in a row. Hell, I was watching the Celtics-Nets while I was at the Dodgers game between innings. But, um, that's, yeah, let's see. So, Heat, Hawks. That's going to be over quick. I never bought the Hawks anyway. I think Heat are going to win that. So, that could be another benefit for them. They, they pull off a sweep, too. Uh, we'll see. Bucks still two-and-a-half-point favorites. So, there you go. See if Giannis can carry team himself. They've still got him as favorites. That is interesting. In Chicago. 
Suns Pelicans minus one and a half, and Book might be out too. That's gonna be. I I hope Booker comes back. I really like. If you if you don't have a team to root for, well, I would say to root for the Bulls. But if you're not, you know, you don't have a team to root for. If I unbiasedly bias Bulls Morant, all I do is see Fred Red. Uh, the Suns are a good. Like the Suns are a team that if you don't have a dog in the fight, I would recommend jumping on their band. They, they get so many... Well, one, Chris Paul, I think, is the best player in the league to never win a title. Like, you watch him in game one, and that's like... That's why I love Chris Paul. He just takes over. Like, I like the competitive edge, and he rubs people the wrong way. But I kind of like that. Undersized, scrappy. Shoots the mid-range games. That lost art. That him and DeMar are trying to preserve. Kawhi does the mid-range pretty well, too. So does KD. But, you know, I love the mid-range game. That's kind of what I do. Because I, I can't shoot threes. So I shoot as big. So I always, I'm always attracted to those guys. So Chris Paul won. But if you, know, you don't like Chris Paul... Monty Williams, man. There's not a more stand-up guy, I don't think, coaching-wise. So well-respected. Really well-spoken. And I heard a story about this, too. So his wife, big, obviously big Suns fan. She'd always call in, like, the radio shows. You know, there'd be shout-outs around the jumbo. Like, you know, she's big Suns, obviously, because her, her, her husband's the head coach. But, um... You know, she was close to the team, close to a lot of the players there. And, you know, stable in the community. Like, it's always calling in on the radio. She'd always have, like, a thing. Yeah. yeah. Big fan. You, you live in Phoenix, you've been to something. You knew, uh, you knew of Monty Williams' wife, basically. Um, she made her love of the Suns and supported the team. No. Well, she, she died in a car accident because of a drunk driver. Um, and so he, Monty Williams had to go to the funeral. Um, and a bunch of the players wanted to go along, too. And a lot of people, you know, went to show their support for Monty Williams. And at the funeral... One of the things my, Williams was saying, he was giving his uh, eulogy or whatever, and um, he mentioned, he's like, yeah, like, it's not just tragedy for me, like, feel bad for the drunk driver, too, because he didn't mean to kill my wife, and his family's hurting right now a lot, too. And just the fact that, like, the guy had the perspective, and how, like, what's the right word, um, composed he was. Like, I gained a lot of respect. Because like, if I was in that situation, I was in shoes, like, I would be li naturally be livid. And he had the perspective. To, like, yeah, keep them and their family and their thoughts, too. And, so, like, he's he's a very likable guy. Like, there's not, you're not going to find a more stand-up. Like, coaching-wise, he's as stand-up as they come. So that's why if you need a team to root for, jump on the bandwagon, Suns might be might bad that team. I hope they meet my Bulls in the finals and then we break their heart there. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm pulling for the Suns. Coming out of the opposite conference. All right, let's talk a little football here. Um, <clears throat> Debo Samuel requests a trade from the 49ers. Kind of does it all. Uh, and that's kind of a common theme here. A lot of guys requesting team. This is so stupid. Like, what in the hell is Debo Samuel thinking? Like, I get he wants to get paid, but, like, come on. You got it pretty damn good in San Francisco right now. You got a very good defense, an innovative offensive head coach. You were just in the NFC Championship game, and you were really a drive away from going to the Super Bowl. Man. Like, you dominated the Super Bowl champions two out of the three times you played them that year. And in the playoffs, it was pretty close, on the road. So you're not a contender. No one else is going to use you. Like, Kyle Shanahan, one of the more creative offensive-minded head coaches in the league. No one's going to utilize Debo Samuel as well as Kyle Shanahan. And then I'm not saying he's not a good player, but look who's the front runner right now to land him with the trade. The New York Jets. Yeah, have fun in that offense. 
the coach on the hot seat, a rookie quarterback who, let's be honest, no one's really sold on. A very tough division. Like you're going from one tough division to an even tougher, arguably just as tough as the division. And by the way, you have a worse head coach, worse quarterback, and you're going to be the worst team in said division. Really, that's what you want? That, to me, is stupid. Same thing with the Tyreek Hill requesting a trade. Like, alright, have fun if I have fun in Miami. You just had the best coach and quarterback in the league, both coach-quarterback combo in the league. And you got straight to go to Miami. Like, yeah, have fun with Tua and their new head coach. And by the way, you got Brian Flores, who was fired there, and there's that whole sideshow. He's still in the league because of what the Dolphins did. Like, yeah, clearly very well-run organization there. So, yeah, you know, glad you got paid. Money isn't everything. Ask Kevin Durant that. You think he's happy that he left for the dysfunction in Brooklyn? Yeah, you're pretty good at in Golden State. I think it's going to be one of those things with Debo, too. You don't realize how good you have until it's gone. Like, that is just, I, and I'm, you know, he wants to get paid, he wants to get paid, but, I mean, sometimes happiness trumps money. And I think he would have gotten paid, too. I would think the 49ers would have, you know, resigned. Like, why is he, why would you request a trade right now? It doesn't, I mean, he must really not like Trey Lance. Like, he must really not buy him. <laughs> that's the case. I mean, good good luck with that. And honestly, I think the Jets, if you're gonna place a bet, like that would make the most sense too. Jets are poorly run. They would overpay for a receiver. They got the young quarterback and a rookie deal too, so they can afford to go get some weapons. They've addressed the offensive line. I actually do think their offensive line is gonna be much improved. So they're just trying to give Zach Wilson as many weapons as they can, which he needs. And Salah's in the hot seat, too. That seems like a move. They have two first-round picks. Teams don't want two first-round picks. That's a lot of pressure to get them both. They can afford to trade, like, the 14th one, maybe a couple seconds for him. But I think the Jets are going to get him. If he's going to get traded, he's probably going to the Jets. They seem like a team that's inept enough to overpay for Debo Samuel. Trading for receivers, I think, is stupid, though. And let me tell you why. Like, you look at a lot of these guys that are talented. Like, you can get quality receivers late in the draft. Like, a lot of the best receivers in the league, like, you come out of nowhere. You can get a you can get a third round pick and they can turn out to be a stub. Yeah. So I yeah, I mean like if I'm the Bears, like if you're a contender, maybe. Like you gotta add that like last piece. Fine. Like a team like the Bears, for example, they need receivers. I wouldn't trade for one if I was them. I'd just make sure you draft one. Because you're gonna have a lot of assets for something you can get in like the third round. It's like buying a boat. Yeah, it's nice to have the boat. That's a depreciating asset though. That's a bad analogy, because I guess you can't get a boat for cheap. Um, but yeah, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Like, you can get receivers for cheap in the draft. You can find quality ones late rounds if you do your research and do it right. Talk a little, uh, talk a little baseball here. Um, my White Sox, good God, coming off an abysmal series. And when I say we're talking baseball, we're talking White Sox, because this is my therapy session here. I write about the White Sox. I had to walk a lot of bad baseball this past week. Um, where do I start? First off, Dallas Keuchel, I think he's washed. I think at this point in his career, it's pretty clear as well. The White Sox, I mean, here's all you need to know. The White Sox brought him in for his postseason experience and be a veteran leader in the clubhouse. He was left off the postseason roster last year because of how terribly he pitched. During the, and it was, an, it was an easy decision. Didn't even think twice about it. So this year comes in expecting to bounce back. He just gave up the most runs he's ever given up in his career to Cleveland. Gave up 10. And now, mind you, there were some errors, but he still gave up 10 runs. Eight of them earned in two innings. And he passive-aggressively blames his teammates for it. 
Like, he wasn't the one lobbing these hanging slider change-ups over the plate. Like, good God, man. Take some accountability for reaction. He looks washed. Like, if I get five innings out of him where he gives up less than four runs, I am stunned. Like, his opening day started giving three runs and five innings. I was like, oh, my God. Like, this that's a great start for Kyle. Anyone else, you'd be like, yeah, all right, you know, that's not too bad. Like, Dallas Kyle, you're like, oh, that's a great start. You're expecting him to implode when he comes in. He sucks. He is washed at this point. Hell, even his Cy Young year, he could barely make it past the fifth inning. You know, or not Cy Young year. The year in 2020, first came in, shortened season. There's a lot of warning signs there that that, like, 193 ERA was kind of suspect because he hadn't pitched in deep into games. I think he had, like, two starts where he made it past the sixth inning, like, into or past sixth inning. A lot of it was five innings, then he's out. Um, so last year, I think was, you know, more of what he is now. I think 2020 was an outlier in that. And you saw him, how he pitched in the postseason in 2020. It was terrible. This man is washed. Leary Garcia might be the worst three hitter of all time. Like why the hell is Leary Garcia batting third in multiple games? Mind you, look, look what he's batting. He's hitting like 171 right now. I don't think there's a player in MLB history. They were doing a deep dive here of number three hitters. Leary Garcia has the worst OPS of any three-hitter, I think, all time. And, like, the past, like, at least this past couple, it was ridiculous. I forget how far back it dated to, but it, it was not good. Tony La Russa, I think, is lost in the sauce. Like, what the hell is going on up there? Like, he's the bozo that put him in in the first place. I, oof. This team is, there's a lot of red flags for this team. The bullpen's been way too overworked early. Don't have enough starting rotation depth. And the offense looks terrible. Now, I think a lot of it is just because it's cold. Hopefully it heats up. It doesn't help when you got Leary Garcia bat in third. This is a team that's concerning me. I don't think that, I mean, doesn't look like a World Series contender early on. I mean, that's... And then meanwhile, the Cubs across town, they got the, the new outfielder, Suzuki or whatever. He's crushing things. When NL Player of the Week, he's, he's, he's a badass dude. It's embarrassing at this point. I still got the Dodgers, though. Yeah, I mean, they... they that's got to be the clear front runner early on. Like adding Freddie Freeman, like Freddie Freeman's a bad man. Man can play defense too. Last Sunday he made a play diving at first base, nailed the guy at home. Like oof. And then on top of that, he he, he had three hits too. Yeah, yeah, that's a good addition to the lineup. That lineup's deep. Like you just you look at it and you go down. It's like there's where do you have a break in that lineup? Like Mookie Betts leads off. Probably the second best player in the league. Like, he's right up there, outfielder-wise. Um, Will Smith, all-star catcher. Freddie Feeman, former MVP, probably top five player in the game right now. Stud. Gavin Lux, stud. Trey Turner, stud. Justin Turner, stud. Oh, like, where do you... <laughs> it's, it's, keeps going. Keep it Cody Bellinger. You know... When he's not getting high before the game and stinking up the joint, like, he's dangerous. Oh, that's a good team. That's a good team early. That, that, they've stood out, and they're playing like it, too. Now, their schedule's been pretty easy to this point. They're playing the Braves now, which is a little slightly tougher. Uh, they booed Kenley Jansen last night. What is with that? You psychos out here in L.A. These fans out in L.A., they're, yeah, they're a bunch of psychos, though. You wear the opposing team's jersey, be prepared. You know, watch your back leaving the parking lot. That's all I'm going to say. Just get prepared to be stabbed. Um, so, you know, some crazies, crazies out here. They, they're, they're, weird, like, they're booing Kenley Jansen, Kenley Jansen, all-time leader in saves, and they're booing him. But, uh, yeah, what are you going to do? Moral of the, the moral of this podcast, if you've made it to this point, don't drink on a plane. If you do, don't fuck with the guy in front of you, because it may be Mike Tyson, and it'll beat the shit out of you.
don't say rude things to athletes if you're not ready to back it up. You know, and if you get flipped off, you know, no, that's fine. Don't, don't. It happens, but they just know he had it coming to you. It's fans. Let's be a little bit better. DeMar DeRozan, let's, let's put a little bit more respect on his name. He's proven he's a playoff performer. That was a big-time playoff performance. White Sox stink. Tony LaRusse is drunk. You know, don't get drunk on a plane. Don't get drunk before you're making a lineup. There's Tony LaRusse's lesson here. <laughs> and if you're Debo Samuel, I'll quit your bitching and stay in San Francisco because it's, you're going to end up in a worse spot. Uh, there you go. There you go. Podcast in a nutshell. Uh, thank you for wasting your time with me. Um, by the way, we're sponsored by Shocked Hydrate. You know, I said it last time. It's the working man's energy drink. You know, unlike Red Bull, they don't have an F1 team. You don't want to support Red Bull Racing? Get a Shocked Hydrate. Or if you're a gamer nerd, that's actually what they make it for. Is this Shocked Hydrate. Is, or Shocked Energy. Yeah, it's, it's for gamers. It's the gamer's drink. You know, you're out there grinding away. Thumbs getting a little tired. Shocked Hydrate. New watermelon flavor. Use the code DISPUTE. You can support us. They'll kick some money to us. A little money in the budget. The quality content's going to improve. Get us another co-host. <laughs> but that's all we have for you. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of the playoffs.